1: The fantasy football season has come to an end, but this is the perfect time to take your sports viewing experience to the next level. Epson just hooked your boy up with this new Epic Vision Ultra LS800 laser projector, including their optional 120 inch Silver Flex screen. And I'm telling you right now, this is an absolute game changer. With an epic 120 inch picture, it's twice the size of an 85 inch TV. I should know I had one of those in my old setup and y'all know I love scouting prospects for the NFL draft and with that 4k pro UHD picture this big it can take the way that I evaluate prospect game film to a level never seen before to learn more visit Epson.com forward slash wake up again that's EPSON.com forward slash wake up and like Epson says bring the sportsbook experience home
2: Hey everybody! Welcome to America's Game, episode number thirty. I am your host Eric Vanek. You can find me on Twitter at Eric Vanek NFL. And as always, joined by my co-host Scott Connor. Scott, uh, rough week for you, man. Your Bengals didn't make it to the Super Bowl, unfortunately. Uh, but how are you doing? Besides that,
0: good. I had to take about a day off of uh, consuming NFL content after that game. Uh, that game took a lot out of me It was one of those where I was kind of, you know, there's those moments in the game where it started off pretty bad. I'm like, they're going to be, they're going to be out of it. They're going to get blown out in this game. And then there was a period where I'm like, damn, they might actually come back and win this. And if you'd have told me that in the first quarter, I would have been like, there's no chance, but it was just one of those, like it was going to go either way, 50, 50 didn't work out. I'm not one to necessarily blame the refs and all that bullshit like that. It is what it is. You know, the Bengals have gotten some breaks over the years. They've gotten some bad breaks. I think the culmination of everything, it just takes a lot out of you when you're, you know, really invested in your team. These games are tough. It's really hard to get back to these games. Uh, it feels like kind of a little bit of a window missed, but you know, they'll run it back next year. They have just as good a shot next year, but, uh, yeah, does kind of feel like a little bit of a kick in the balls when you don't get it done. But you know what, I, I like my team, but I love fantasy, dynasty, you know what I mean? Like that, that kind of trumps it for me. You know, it's nice to have your team be good, but back to the grind, I took a day off, then I had to dive right back into content, a lot of senior bowl stuff this week, and uh, just glad to be here. 30 episodes. You know, I know you didn't say it at the beginning, but this is our 30th episode, and uh, it's pretty cool to be able to say we've done 30 already doesn't feel like 30 but then you look back and you're like damn we've been going at this for it's like six seven months now at this point so good
2: to be here man yeah that's 30 times i've could have gotten us canceled and i haven't yet
0: yeah
2: that's, that's a miracle in itself
0: i gotta give you credit i gotta give you credit you've uh you've been pretty pretty tame at least when we're recording live there's been times where I'm like wow I'm glad you didn't say that on the podcast you know that definitely (laughs) would have gotten this canceled but no it's uh it's been fun uh I know I told you no one really knows the backstory but when you approached me to see if I wanted to host America's game with you and I was like yeah sure you know you and I have known each other forever like we we've talked for I mean I it would be crazy to add up the number of hours we've spent over the, our, our lifetimes talking to each other, you know, on the phone or on shows or just on, you know, texting or whatever. But like, you're like, yeah, you want to host a show? Yeah, sure. That'll be that'll be cool. We'll just come on here and we'll just talk. And, uh, you know, I even told you when I said, hey, Eric, I'll host America's game with you. I'll do it most of the time. Right. Remember when I said I'll host most of them, but you might have to come up with, you know, a co-host mm-hmm. for a third of the shows or but every single week we've been here. So let's keep it rolling.
2: Yeah. So kind of back to the, the Bengals and Chiefs though. You know, I was kinda of looking at it on paper and everything. I'm like, if there was a team that the Bengals were gonna blow out, it was gonna be this Chiefs team with Mahomes on a little bit of a bum ankle. They don't really had any wide receivers, not anybody like Tyreek Hill at all. Um obviously Kelsey was still there. I didn't I think the defense for the Chiefs was as good, if not the same, as last year's, you know. Defense, so I'm like, okay, Bengals. I, I agreed. I thought they should be the favorite um, going into it. I know the points changed there a little bit um, towards the end, but I I figured the Bengals were, were going to be pretty good, especially after the, after the way they looked against Buffalo and just kind of wiped the floor with Buffalo. I figured, hey, Bengals. You know, I think they're the favorite. They're gonna they're gonna win this game. They're gonna go to another Super Bowl here, but um, it didn't happen kind of uh kind of crazy just because I think without Tyreek I figured oh man Bengals got all this firepower they're going to be able to to really take it to the Chiefs here but yeah it just didn't happen so kudos to the Chiefs on that one for sure
0: Yeah I mean listen it, there's excuses and then there's missed opportunities I think you can probably have a mix of both the the Achilles heel that you're starting to see with Joe Burrow Joe Burrow's great but the Achilles heel and it's two straight years now, the Achilles hero is when there's interior pressure. That's what lost the game for him. I mean, Chris Jones had what three sacks in the game. Chris Jones had pressures on 45% of his dropbacks against Burrow. Like when you're getting pressure from the middle of the pocket, that that's where Burrow is, is susceptible to getting beat. You know, like when you watch the games, even with like Jonah Williams this year had allowed 13 sacks and people were like, Oh, he's terrible. Oh, He's terrible. You know what? If you have a pressure if you have pressure coming from just one side, like one defensive end, Burrow's really good. So is Mahomes. They're both very good at like, oh, there's no big deal. That edge rusher, he's going to get on me every other play, but how many times have you seen him step right around the edge rusher, step up into the pocket and that's when they kill you, you know? That that's when they kill you. But what's gotten Burrow the last 2 years and got him in the Super Bowl, it's literally the pressure coming right up the middle. Cuz then even if the tackle gets beat a little bit, When you also have, like, the guard getting beat, there's nowhere to go. He just gets swallowed, and that's most of the sacks on Burrow. It's like, oh, shit, there goes the pocket, and he just gets swallowed. And that's what lost him this game, man. 45% of the pressures, or 45% of the dropbacks, Chris Jones got pressure. I mean, they end up getting, I think, five sacks in the game, but it was like, dude, it's not even when he gets sacked. It's when it's third and 14, and he's got to chuck it up both of his interceptions were on third downs and they were like, he's just throwing it up. Like that's part of what makes him good, but that's also how you beat quarterbacks like that. You know what I mean? Like you get them in third and long. I mean, I was texting with like three different people at the time during the game. And I'm like, Oh shit, it's third and 14. It's third and 10. That's right up the chiefs alley in a home game. When they have the crowd advantage, they know the Bengals offensive line is beat up. Like that's how you had it. That's where I'm a little bit, that's where I think the offense can grow a little bit. Like that's where they maybe need to have their personnel a little bit differently. They might need to need a running back that has a little juice. They can take like a screen pass for 10, 15 yards. You know what I mean? Cause like you get them you get the Bengals in third and long and it's just like drop back to pass. Like that's where they got beat. So at, I'll just say this. You got to give the chiefs credit. We were talking about this in the discord earlier. This was the bills last season that had Josh Allen on a cheap contract. Next year, he's, his cap hit's going to go like $46 million. Bengals have Burrow on a cheap contract for two more years. Those are the teams that had the advantage, right? Look at the Eagles. Jalen Hurts on a cheap-ass contract. In two years, that's going to change. The fact that the Chiefs are in the Super Bowl, and they're paying their quarterback what they're paying Mahomes, and they probably don't even have – what would you say the Chiefs have what – would you say the Chiefs even have the top five offensive weapons in the AFC?
2: I mean, all they really got is Kelsey, yeah. I mean, would you take the
0: Chargers' weapons over
2: the Chiefs? Probably, yes. Bills?
0: Yes. Bengals? Bengals, yes. I mean, would you say even the Chiefs have clear, better weapons than the Jags?
2: I don't want to say it's clear, no. I'd probably take Miami's guys, Gaseki and the two receivers. I mean, individually, would you take
0: Najee, Friermuth, Deontay, and Pickens over the Chiefs?
2: Yep, easy.
0: I'm just saying the Chiefs are there, and they the Chiefs actually can get better. you got to give the Chiefs credit because they used a lot of their draft capital to rebuild their defense, and it's not a defense that has to be good. It's just a defense that can go into these games and hold the other team from scoring 30. All if you right. can just hold the other team to like 20, 23, 25, Mahomes is going to have a chance all the time. And right. I think that that's how the Bengals are going to have to play in the going forward. Like they're going to lose defensive pieces over the next two years. They just need to be able to say, hey, we can hold the other team to 25 points. We got a chance to win. So yeah. that, you, you got to give them credit. The Chiefs won in a year where other teams in the conference, the Miami, Cincy, Buffalo, all these teams had the advantage of the cap without paying their quarterbacks. And now it's going to start to flip back towards an even playing field over the next couple of years. And the Chiefs are still there. So you got to give them props. I hope they win the Super Bowl. I don't think they will. I have a feeling they may get blown out, but it's still Mahomes. So I don't know. What's your Super Bowl pick? Like, if you have to pick, are you definitely taking the Eagles?
2: Yeah, right now I'm taking the Eagles. Yeah, they've been uh, pretty unstoppable.
0: Yeah, and it feels like the Eagles are going to have the offensive line. And Mm -hmm. the, even if the, I mean, the Eagles defense isn't better than the Bengals. But I don't think it's it's basically the same where but the Chiefs are not gonna have the this single advantage over the over the Eagles like they did with Cincy. They're not gonna get the pressure, and I think that was the difference in the game. And I just don't see the Chiefs putting up 30 on this uh Eagles D, and I could see the Eagles definitely being able to score 30. So it's we'll see. But I think the Eagles definitely win if I had to pick. Yeah.
2: Yeah, the I think the Bengals, like you know, like you were talking about the couple of the offensive
0: linemen were hurt, so Kappa was out, and who was the other one that was out?
2: Jonah, Kappa was obviously. the real
0: one. I mean, they had Jonah Williams that oh, yeah. was out, but honestly, Jackson Carmen was fine the last couple games at left tackle. He's just as good as Jonah Williams, I think. Right. I think it was the interior pressure. It was missing Kappa. It was having Ted Karras banged up. Like The, the middle of their offensive line is what lost him the game.
2: Yeah, so they're going to have to invest a, a pick or two. At that those spots or at least address them in free agency I know the Chiefs did that two years ago when they signed uh, Tooney they traded for um, Orlando Brown You know they've invested in that offensive line and made it a lot better So I think the Bengals are gonna have to they're gonna have to do that here soon They tried uh, this past year but you know Lyle Collins and He ended up getting hurt Um, You know obviously Kappa Kappa got hurt too so yeah, it sucks, but I think that, like you said, they need a, another piece or two there. It's just, it it's the same with Buffalo,
0: man. Like their offensive line was bad. Like, the, yeah, it kind of makes me
2: offensive line hasn't been that great for a couple years. Like there isn't like any like can you even name one of them?
0: <laughs> you know, but doesn't it feel like if you are these teams that have good quarterbacks and good weapons, you need to do what you can to protect the offense? And just let your defense try to survive from week to week. Like, you don't need a dominant defense if you have a really good offense. You just need the ability to get into a game where your defense isn't just terrible. You know, like, so, I mean, getting into a little of, like, just the team building, I, I just don't see, I don't see the Bengals going like, oh, hey, let's let's let our offense go. Let's let T. Higgins walk. You know what I mean? Let's let Hayden Hurst walk. Let's let Mixon and P. Ryan walk. To keep our defensive players, to keep Jermaine Pratt, to keep Jesse Bates, a safety and a linebacker, are those? I mean, those guys are good, but are they really the linchpin of whether you're going to win a Super Bowl or not? Right. I don't think so. So, it, I don't know. I, I just think that that you gotta you gotta just replace those players on defense, and you gotta hope you can hit on some draft picks. Versus, you know, that some of these teams that have bad offensive lines or no weapons, like what are you doing?
2: Yeah. I mean, the Bengals kind of addressed that last year in the draft, you know, knowing Jesse Bates situation, obviously they were able to franchise him for one year, but then they drafted Daxon Hill. Now Daxon Hill has to go and play that spot.
0: You know, that's what they drafted him for. Yeah. You gotta be able to hit on those picks too. You lose guys and you gotta be able to replace them in the draft. I think it's easier to, and I think the other thing with the offensive line is they address the offensive line, but you know what? you, you got to expect there's going to be some injuries. Their injuries just were at a shitty time. But right. you need to have a backup that can come in there and not get fucking beat 45% of the dropbacks, especially if your game is built around dropping back 45 times a game. That's the thing is their is. I mean, they passed at a 70% rate this year. That's their offense. It's not going to change. So if you know you're going to drop Burrow back 70% of the time, you better have, you better have 10 good offensive linemen. All right. So like ha- that's going to be the biggest thing to look at is I don't give a shit who their running backs are. I really don't give a shit who their tight ends are, but you got to build your team around the way that you're playing. Don't sit here and go, Oh, let's, let's, let's try to play differently because I don't think you're going to play Josh Allen's not going to play differently.
1: Right.
0: So either figure out how to win around how he plays or I don't know. We'll see.
2: Yeah, that should be interesting. And then, you know, Eagles and 49ers, we'll talk about that here for a little bit too. I mean, it obviously it wasn't really a game. The 49ers had some really bad luck with the with the quarterback injuries. You know, was it made for an absolutely boring game pretty much? N- nothing you can really do there. I mean, with Purdy, with, with uh, the injury that he did have, it was shocking that he was even able to come in and just do what he could do. Um, so, I mean, kudos to him. But yeah, it was just a it was a rough game. The Eagles have had a uh, that that number one seed has really paid off, man. They've kind of walked through the Giants. They walked through San Fran. You know, obviously Kansas City's going to be their biggest test um, so far in the playoffs. But yeah, I mean the Eagles have, have really uh, been the best team all year. I mean, it, it's hard to argue that point. So I think I think they're probably the favorite. Um, going to the Super Bowl obviously, and, and they should be uh, you know, winning another Super Bowl here.
0: Yeah, that'll be interesting to see uh, what what the ending line is on that game because I know the Chiefs have a bunch of guys injured, Juju injured, McCole Hardman's going to be out, Kadarius Toney's banged up. Like when isn't he? Right, but I mean that, the the point is like they are they're dealing with a lot of injuries too, and just makes you wonder like what their game plan is going to be. Cause if they're down, you know, multiple receivers, I mean, they've done it before, but it's the biggest stage. You can't afford to be like, Oh, we'll get those guys back next week. You know what I mean? So we'll see. We'll see. But, um, I did want to ask you what, uh, right now, where are you at on the Brock Purdy situation? Given that he, you know, he's got this serious elbow injury. It sounds like he's either going to decide to have a, Tommy John surgery, but he's trying to avoid it. He's trying to basically have the, there's a lesser surgery he can have that could get him back within six months, which I kind of feel like we talked about this in the discord earlier too. Like I kind of feel like Brock Purdy is, he can't afford to say, I'm just going to take the, the reconstruction surgery, even if that's what they're really kind of saying that he needs. Like he can't afford to take a year off. Cause I think his window to be a starter at that point would be closed. Like he's never going to get this opportunity again. But for Dynasty, obviously his value's down. Like people are scared to buy him. So I mean, where are you at right now? Are you trying to shop him? Would you take any second just because he's too risky at this point, or what?
2: Yeah, I'd be fine with taking any second. I mean, I know you. I think you made some trades for him as well. I think you. I don't, did you do seconds or first? I, I forget.
0: I traded him to Ray in Royal Rumble. Oh,
1: okay,
0: but that was the one. But that was before the injury, though. So that's. Yeah. I mean, but he traded me the two oh one. And Zach Wilson for Purdy, so he was taking a convicted shot on Brock Purdy. Yeah. Obviously, you wouldn't get that today. Like I, yeah, I mean yeah. you're not getting the 201. But I figured, okay, the 201 is not a terrible return for Brock Purdy. But even after that deal, I'm sitting here going like, man, if he's the starter in a 14 team super flex, if he's the starter, I would pay a two for or a 201 for almost any starter in a 14-teamer, you know what I mean? Because that's yeah. just going to be, you know, like the running back six or something like that. Like, it's not anything special. I just – I don't
2: think it was ever going to be a Purdy – unless Purdy won the Super Bowl, that Purdy is straight up the guy. Like, I think – I always thought it was going to be Trey Lance and him were going to at least compete for it Um, in, in training camp. So, yeah, this, I think this, this definitely hurts his – dynasty value for sure i think you know if you can get him get trade him for any second i'd go ahead and do that but as far as like an nfl career like there are so many injuries that happen like trey lance has been hurt a couple times already he's gonna get another shot at some point he he probably should just sit out a year take get the full surgery that he does need and then just come back and and be ready to go um, he's going to be in this, this Same system with Shanahan In San Francisco Unless Shanahan gets fired by them, which I don't see So he's going to be in the same system Just get the surgery, sit out a year See what happens You know Trey Lance hasn't been Necessarily the greatest thing ever And by then you know if Trey Lance sucks again next year Or he, he gets hurt again, whatever And then Purdy is going to be Right in there to maybe even get a shot When he's back fully healthy so I mean, it sucks for, for his long-term career, but, you know, it is what it is right now for them. I think he just kind of sit back, relax, get your your uh, injury uh, healed up, taken care of, all that, and then come back in, in 2024 and, and we'll see where he goes.
0: Yeah, it's tough because if you're Brock Purdy, though, that's a massive career changer if you were to no. be able to to take the starting job now, you're now on trajectory to be like, man, if I can just become, he's probably sitting there once he earns the job and he beats out Jimmy Garoppolo, kind of, and Trey Lance, like, he's sitting pretty. As long as he doesn't screw it up the next couple of years, that's a guy that's hitting free agency, and okay, maybe he's not Joe Burrow or Patrick Mahomes, but I mean, he's looking at some of these other guys like Ryan Tannehill and Kirk Cousins and Derek Carr. I mean, look at the careers those guys have made. Look how much money those guys have made. Like, so if you can just get yourself to that spot where you get a second contract, that's life-changing. You know, that's – you've made nine figures of money. Whereas now it's like, okay, yeah, I can get this surgery and I can come back and I'm healthy, but it could be – you know, middle of 2024 before I'm healthy again. What if the, what if the Niners have found another Brock Purdy by then?
1: Right. What if the
0: Niners have found a guy they signed? What if they go get insert whoever? And I mean, now they
2: Lance could suck. And, and Kirk Cousins
0: is a free agent at the end of 2023. It, the point is you're given, you're given the team a lot of window now to find somebody that's not necessarily way better than you. But they just kind of move on from you and you never have the opportunity that you have right now. Mm-hmm. So it's almost like he's gotta try he's gotta try to find a way to get through this. And then if he's not healthy, then he can go get the surgery. What's he got to lose uh, at that point, you know?
2: I get it, but I think you just get the full surgery now and and get it done with is how I always cuz it just if you hurt it again and then you you miss and then you have to miss that another year I don't know I don't think I would do it. I think he's proven at least enough to where he could be the backup. I mean I think everyone always expected he could be like a solid backup um you know after like a game or two I'm watching him like okay he could be a solid backup and then obviously it continued on and and rolled on and he was doing really good you know almost got done to the Super Bowl.
1: But you're
0: making the argument for him, though. You're making the argument for exactly what I'm saying. He has he has that role in his back pocket. Right. The, the backup roles are—he's already got that locked down. He, he's gotten enough, or he's put enough on tape already. Like, that's going to be his role in the NFL if he just is there. You know what I mean? He's got mm-hmm. that as a floor. I'm saying he's got a really limited window to become, like, the guy. And if he's not healthy— I mean, I get it. If he's not healthy and he can't even get into camp and just throw like even throw the ball, then he's probably screwed anyway. You know what I mean? They're gonna be like, Yeah, you're not healthy. Yeah, dude. I mean like, this
2: is a super serious injury. I mean yeah, it, baseball players miss a whole season for this, so
0: I think that I'm just saying if I'm him and I have a ten percent chance where I can get away with not having to have the full Tommy John surgery and I can maybe be ready for camp, I'm gonna try that. And then if it's clear that I'm not ready, then what's the worst that can happen? I you know, go under the knife again, or I miss another year, then hopefully I'm a backup again, but I'm pretty sure I'm going to get multiple shots to be a backup again. I just don't want to miss the chance of becoming the starter because you're right. If he misses a year, then another whole year goes by. And then all of a sudden we're getting to 2024 and shit. Mac Jones could come available. Kirk cousins is available. Like at that point, Kyle Shanahan's like, yeah, man, I'm going to go get one of those guys. He's Brock. They're Brock Purdy, but better. You know what I mean? No, so what's the I, I, dynasty takeaway? Any second, out. Yeah,
2: any, any second I'm out, yeah. I agree. But, man, I just – for his career, I just think just get it now. Get it out of the way. Because if you screw around and then you're not back until 2025, and then, like, you haven't been even thought of in two years. Like, yeah, I, I would just avoid that as much as I can, even if I have to miss a year for for this coming year.
0: So how do you deal Brock Purdy if you can't get a second for him? Can you think of any other creative ways where you could maybe move him? Like, would you take Sam Howell over him?
2: Yeah, I could take Sam Howell, the old Purdy in a third for a second. I'd try that. Okay, I like that.
0: I mean, how far down are you going at quarterback? How much risk would you take at quarterback? Would you go down to the – would you take like Jameis Winston over Purdy?
2: No, I don't think so. Okay. I think Jameis is kind of
0: kind of run his course on that one. Desmond Ritter or Purdy? that uh, Purdy. Uh what about like Jimmy G? I'd rather have Jimmy G. Okay. So that's kind of the line. You're more confident in Jimmy G getting a job than some of those other guys, like Baker over Baker or Purdy?
2: I'd, I think I'd rather still have Purdy, just because I've seen Baker be god-awful.
0: So you think Baker and Jameis are in that category where you'd, that you'd put them even below Purdy?
2: Yeah, just because I've seen Purdy play so well. Now, it kind of also depends, too. Like, in lineup leagues, I'm more willing to hold on to that guy, because we talked about this a little bit earlier um, in the Heisman chat. In a baseball league, can you unless you have an IR, can you really afford to hold Purdy all year for is zero?
0: Like yeah, he's knowing. basically a backup quarterback. It's no different.
2: Yeah, and you don't know if he's going to take over the starting job if he is out for a year when he comes back. So, I mean, in a best ball league, Purdy's almost probably droppable at that point.
0: So who yeah. are some backups that you could trade Purdy for plus and still have the same exact risk of being a starter? Like I would do, could you get Brissette in a third for Purdy? Probably, yeah. That feels like it's not enough, but I also think Brissette has a—he has a shot of landing in a role where he's a spot starter for a year, or he's a bridge quarterback. Don't you think?
2: Yeah, if the the stuff with the Ravens doesn't work out, Brissette could end up with the Ravens. I could see that. Um, like you talked about, I—I uh, I don't know if we talked about it on here or something else, but Brissette to Carolina to be with Frank Reich again. As a branch
0: quarterback. Yeah, that I mean that was bantered around because he was at NC State and he's from that area. So I could see that. That makes yep. that definitely that's two angles right there where you could see him going right. uh there. And I mean here's the thing if Brissett let's let's fast forward two months. Brissett signs a deal with the Panthers and then they draft Anthony Richardson. Like I could see that happening, right? Yep. You know he's probably starting for at least half the season. It's right. probably another Desmond Ritter, Marcus Mariota situation where they're going to have Brissett as the clear starter opening day. Now, could be a Trubisky picket situation where week four he's so fucking bad that he gets benched. Yeah, but I think Brissett's better I, than Brissette, those guys. Yeah,
2: Brissett proved himself this year that he's way better than like a Trubisky type.
0: Yeah. So, two months from now, you could have Brissett sitting in that spot where he's the starter for a year and Brock Purdy's out for a year with Tommy John. At that point, you smash that deal if you got an extra pick. Right. So I think, you know, I don't know how many Purdy shares you have. I think I have maybe like six or something like that. And now they were cheap because they were most – I think every share I have was from waivers. I might have like one. If not, I don't think I have any, to to be honest. So the fact that you get them on waivers though too makes you feel like, man, if I can get a third and Jacoby Brissett for a couple of those, I would actually be okay with just cashing out and not worrying about this. We could have a serious, because here's the thing, as soon as Brock Purdy, if they say he's having Tommy John and he's out 12 months, he's dead. You might as well cut him at that point. You know what I mean? No one is going to give you anything for him. So like, let's go to the alternative route. Let's say he doesn't have the surgery. Do you ever see people paying a first rounder for Brock Purdy in the next year? No. No. What would he have to do to become a f- worth a first in Dynasty? Would he have to go out next year, hold the job all year, and be like a top 20 or better quarterback?
2: Yeah, I think he'd have to like prove in training camp and all that that he's healthy. He's actually starting into the games, beats out Trey Lance. Maybe like halfway through next season, he's proven like, you know, 49ers are 7 and 1 or something like that. And he's proven that, you know, he's still doing what he was doing. Uh, In the regular season and playoffs this year. Yeah, I think that's what it would take.
0: So because he started so low on the totem pole, being a seventh rounder and nobody believed in him to start. It almost feels like for him to ever be seen as a clear, like worth a first round guy, he has to go out and not only win the job, but he has to go out and hold the job and be good. And then the Niners probably have to be good enough to where they're not talking about getting somebody better the next season. Mm-hmm. Like, that's a lot to overcome for a guy that we're talking about could have a season-ending surgery. You know what I mean? Right. So, like, it feels like if if that's what I'm holding with that asset, trading him for the 201, is that's like the best I'm ever going to get. You know what I mean? Yeah, I agree. So it almost feels like he's he's priced about, even with this injury, he's priced at like 80 to 90% of what his ceiling is, unless he's just the next Kirk Cousins or the next Tom Brady. And that means he's going to have like a 10 or plus year career. And there's going to be a lot of times in that middle of that career where you can probably buy back in because people don't believe in him because he was such a right. low capital player in the beginning. So yeah, feels like he's a sell. Sucks that you wish you could have sold him when he was worth more, but injuries happen. Mm-hmm.
2: All right, so next thing uh, here I wanted to talk about a little bit was I started doing my own personal Dynasty rankings because I had uh, lost the file. Long story, anyways. I lost the file to it, so I had to kind of redo them. So I redid them over the last couple weeks, and I was using just like not keep trade cuts rankings per se in order, but I was kind of just using them as a guideline to, so I don't forget any players, basically. And I was just kind of looking at some of their rankings that they have on here, and I kind of want to just talk about them, like some of the ones that were really surprising to me. So the first one that really surprised me, and I just kind of wanted to get your thoughts on it, was right now, um, well, actually, right now, the one that is a little surprising to me, that even with the ACL injury that Brees Hall is still RB1 listed um on Keep Trade Cut. What do you
0: think of Brees Hall being RB1 in Dynasty right now? Um, I definitely have seen the Brees Hall hype start building back up with that video that he posted. And, you know, the, the talks about him, he's ahead of schedule. He should be good to go by, you know, even before preseason, like training camp, he should be 100 percent I know you've talked about before his injury was just a clean ACL tear. So even with that, like that is a good sign for him to come back earlier than some of the other guys. But it kind of feels like when you look at the running back ranks, like you got to put somebody there, right? Like I would I would definitely put Bijan there. He's clearly the highest valued asset at running back because whatever, whether it's Bijan or the 101, that's clearly the highest. If you're doing a startup or a trade value, that's clearly the highest asset. So I think it's dumb not to have Bijan as your RB1. Whether you think he's good or not, the asset b or the asset 101, you would agree, is clearly the t- the highest valued running back asset that exists. Easily. Not even close. Yep. But then after that, like, you have to put somebody. You have to put Jonathan Taylor, Brees Hall. Like, you, you got to have somebody. Ken Walker, Travis Etienne. Like, someone has to be in the top five but doesn't it feel like just cause you have Brees Hall or Ken Walker or Jonathan Taylor on your roster, doesn't it feel like that's a much weaker asset than it was a couple years ago?
2: Yeah, for sure.
0: So I think it's, it's not even really about the, where they rank at running back. It's where do those running backs rank? If you have them relative to all the other assets in the league. And it just doesn't feel like if you have that elite running back that you have the blue chip asset, like you used to have, it used to be, if you have the RB one, and they're one of these elite young size speed freaks, like the JT types that you had like a cornerstone asset. Now you're kind of like, how do I trade it for a good receiver? You know what I mean? Or how do I trade yeah. it for a quarterback? So I get it. I don't, it, I don't agree with Brees Hall RB one, but if you told me if I had to rank him and from an asset standpoint, I'd probably put him like RB three or RB two. I, mm-hmm. I can't disagree with it. I mean, you have him RB2 in your ranks. That's without Bijan, but basically you're saying he's RB3, right?
2: Yeah, yeah, and he should be up there for sure. I just wanted to kind of get your thoughts on it, especially, you know, we talked about it in the past about, you know, these guys coming off injuries. Like, you don't want them. You didn't want J.K. Dobbins, really. You didn't want um, Cam Akers coming off of his injury at all. So I was just kind of like a little shocking to me that wow, Brees Hall is still all the way up here even after an ACL injury, and we've all we've talked about and beaten to the ground is, you know, hey, you don't want these guys coming off an injury. So that that was my point, really.
0: Well, and here's the other thing: is it all comes down to what are we looking at? Are we looking at it in terms of trade value, or are we looking at it in terms of like roster building value or roster building equity? Like we're doing that startup right now. Ray and I are doing that. Uh, startup that we've been talking about in the discord. I took Derek Henry at the eight Oh one. And I took Damian Pierce at the eight eleven, And that was at like RB. I think if I'm looking at how many running backs were off the board before I took Derek Henry, there were 17 running backs off the board before I took Derek Henry. And then there were 20 running backs off the board before I took Damian Pierce. I'd rather have that than the guy that took, you know, Brees Hall at the two oh five, Jonathan Taylor at the two eleven, Ken Walker at the three oh one. Like to me, that's not worth paying an extra five or six rounds worth of draft capital when I can build an entire team around a build where I take Derrick Henry in the eighth round, you know? Like right. what would what would you rather have? Uh Ken Walker or Derrick Henry and a 24 first and a 24 second.
2: Yeah. i probably take the three assets. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And then I would just figure I have to maybe shift how I build my team because I have 29 year old Derrick Henry instead of 23 year old Kenneth Walker. But if it's a year to year game, like you just got to make sure you have the reinforcements when you have these running backs that are older, that are going to expire. But the amount of value you can get on these guys on the current market. I mean, shit, we're in the startup. We're probably going to be into round 11 or round 12. Joe Mixon's not even going to be taken. Right. I don't even want Joe Mixon, but you're telling me that he's going at like RB40? Yeah. Shit, if he does... All he has to do is start like what? We're already at the point where, Eric, the 203 is gone. Mm. What does Joe Mixon have to do to return 206 value? Start like two more games? You know what I mean?
2: Yeah, he should have... Probably been gone before
0: the two, the round two picks even started. There were already three deep in round two, and he's not taken. So I'm, I don't even want to take him in. Well, a I starter. wonder if
2: that some of that has to do with this legal stuff that's going on right now, too. But yeah. the thing is, they dropped the charges this morning.
0: Yeah. So like, no one's still I mean, taking uh,
2: them. No, no one likes Joe Mixon for whatever reason, and in, in Dynasty, like. We did the USFL startup um, not too long ago, and I got him for thirty bucks in the auction. Like thirty bucks for
0: for uh, that's three percent of my budget.
2: Yeah, I I think that's for peanuts.
0: That's the point. We're getting to the point where his value in a startup Mm -hmm. is low enough to where it's like, dude, the only thing I'm giving up is the right to draft the RB eight in the class. And all Joe Mixon needs to do is literally start for, like, four more games. Because here's the thing. You know when he starts, he's probably going to get a lot of touches, you know? Right. he's He's like the new Zeke. As long as he's playing, he's going to get touches. He might suck. He could be out of the league in two years when the team realizes, holy shit, we're paying this guy $12 million? What the fuck? But it, you're getting to the point where it's like, if you can build the right team around these running backs, it feels like the value is just extremely, extremely good. I mean, I'm looking at the running backs that are available in this startup, Eric. Joe Mixon's still there. Alvin is still there. Miles Sanders is still there. Aaron Jones is still there. A.J. Dillon is still there. James Conner, David Montgomery. Like, if you're telling me I can have four of those guys for the price of one Brees Hall, which one are you going to take?
2: Right, no, I get it.
0: So, yeah, I, that... that the, I know this wasn't directly your question, but this speaks to where these running backs are and how close they are together in our eyes versus how the community is valuing, like, Ken Walker, Brees Hall, Jonathan Taylor. So that's it.
2: So another another little bit of a – I don't want to say shocking, but just one that I want to avoid is RB7 is Josh Jacobs. Now, obviously, Josh Jacobs had a hell of a year and all that. Kudos to him for that. But, man, doesn't it just feel like that was his – he knows he's playing for a contract. He played through every single injury he could and had a smash season. And then once he gets paid, he's just going to kind of just take a shit and be done. You know, like he taking him this high would scare the absolute crap out of me, man. I do not want to take Josh Jacobs as RB7 in any league.
0: Yeah, but there's also a scenario where he gets franchise tagged and they just do the exact same thing next year with the Raiders because it's only $10 million. Yeah, And I agree with you, but do you really want Austin Eckler with a brand new offense where they don't check down? Do you really want him at RB8?
2: Yeah, I think I would still take Eckler. Okay. Just because Which- I think I they might not. Like you say, check now, but I think he's going to have to use them. He's, I mean, look at the way they use Pollard and stuff. Like Eckler and Pollard are kind of the same thing. So I think they could use Eckler in some of the similar ways. And, you know, look at how good Pollard was this year, too. So,
0: I mean, I think that's the debate with Jacobs, though, because Josh Jacobs last year had 394 touches. He is like the premier bell cow in the league. People just don't buy it because they're like, oh, he's always banged up. But the dude's averaged over 300 touches in his career per oh, season. No.
2: Yeah, no, I, I get that, but I, I just think we saw his peak this year. I think that was the peak and it's probably downhill from here, especially now that he is gonna try and get paid, get his contract. Once he gets his
0: contract, like
2: oh man, I got you know, my hamstring hurts, coach. I, I can't
0: I can't play this week. I mean like, do you more com- a lot more of that? Do you feel more comfortable paying R B three price for Saquon Barkley? Yes. R B four for Christian McCaffrey? Yes, okay. I mean, I, I think that's the that's the argument. Is you're but basically like looking I said,
2: at like I was looking at this too. Like on this list, like I don't even know who else I would move like above Jacobs. I I probably put Eckler, but like Javante, no. I mean, you don't can't put that. like
0: Nick Chubb over Jacobs. He's never been a good enough for fantasy. He's never been yeah. better than Jacobs for fantasy, but they're kind of in the same boat, right? Like, Right. I think Chubb just needs to get more
2: catches, and I'm kind of interested to see this year without Kareem Hunt, without maybe Dearness Johnson, Like, does Chubb kind of like take that step forward this year as more of a receiving back and at least get you to 40 catches?
0: I mean, what's your pulse? Because the, the things I've heard on the Browns is they're actually looking for a running back in the first couple rounds like they want they want another Kareem Hunt right next to Chubb. They don't want to give him any more than what they've given him.
2: Uh I mean I haven't really paid attention to that. So that would be interesting, but I mean they drafted Jerome Ford. They didn't really give him a shot uh, because they always had Kareem Hunt and Dearness Johnson above him and Ford was hurt for a little bit. But I, I I wouldn't mind seeing Ford in that in that spot and then I mean they have so many other needs than running back like they need to Focus on that before they
0: So if I told that. you the Browns brought in Devin Singletary for two million a year, what would that mm-hmm. say about Nick Chubb?
2: If they just want the compliment again, like like Kareem Hunt. That's I, I, I and I, I think that.
0: that's the kind of, I think that's the kind of move that, that, that every team that can will do because they can probably get that type of guy so freaking cheap, you know? Right. So I I guess I just look at these guys and I'm looking at I I, ag- I don't disagree with you on Jacobs. I'm looking at guys like Jacobs, Chubb. I don't want to pay for potentially really volatile production when I'm investing. I mean, Nick Chubb's going to be 28 years old. I don't want to pay RB7 prices for him when I can get Derrick Henry at RB19. Right? Doesn't it both? Don't they both feel like they're just like they're year to year, you know?
2: I mean, it seems like Derrick Henry has been. I mean, obviously he's been in the league longer, but like he just has so many miles on him. Whereas, I mean, Chubb just
0: it doesn't feel like he. It doesn't he has feel until you look at the numbers, and then you're like, because right. remember, Derrick Henry had almost two two years where he really didn't get a lot of touches. Right. Yeah, it's interesting. Uh, I'm just looking it up uh, right now. F-
2: uh, fuck that. Nick Chubb's fucking good. I don't How many that,
0: career much. touches does Derrick Henry have? Just guess. Uh, 10,000. I don't know. No. He has 1,877 touches in his career. So 8- 1,877. How many touches does Nick Chubb have in his career? I have no idea. One thousand three hundred. 29 touches so he's about a year a year and a half behind him in terms of like where they would be at from a touch perspective Mm
1: -hmm.
0: but it isn't like so basically whatever you know you look at their ages henry's 29 chubb is still 27 and a half like they're basically the same on the same track for where they're going to be so maybe you get an extra year if you invest in chubb Right, but what's the price difference between the two? I don't know. It's a fascinating thing. And Chubb also has a top
2: five offensive line, and the Tennessee offensive line has got to be bottom five.
0: Agree. Yeah, I'd I'd rather have Chubb. It's like if I can control where I'm building my team, though. Yeah, I'd rather have Henry. At the same time, though, if you told me the all the same arguments for Nick Chubb, I could make them for Josh Jacobs, but he has more touches, or he's had higher ceiling, less touches, he's two years younger. And could be a free agent. So, right. I don't
2: know. Alright, and then a couple other ones I wanted to bring up here, too, that I think they're just way too low. I don't know why Keep Trade Cut has these guys so low. But Dalvin Cook, RB22, he's behind Tyler Algier and Rashad White. I'm taking Dalvin
0: Cook over both of those guys every day of the week right now. Yeah, him and him and Mixon and Kamara are the guys nobody yeah. wants. They just have Kamara. basically written those guys off like they're yeah. they're done.
2: Camara, RB27. R- right ahead of him is A.J. Dillon and James Cook. I'm taking Camara over those guys every single day of the week. Aaron Jones is right behind Camara too, RB28. You know, outproduced A.J. Dillon every single year of his career, and they have A.J. Dillon above him. So, I mean, if these guys are this cheap, Jones, Camara, Dalvin Cook, I'm going to buy those guys. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to buy them up.
0: Dude, you could do a startup and you could get Mixon, Cook, Camara, and Aaron Jones outside of the top 20 running backs. And you could be like, all you got to do is hit on those guys for one more season each. And you could have a really, really fine running back room. James yeah. Conner is another one that people just expect that he's going to be done.
2: Yeah, he's way down here too.
0: And why is James
2: Conner any How about- different than those guys? How about David Montgomery, RB30? He's behind every one of those guys that we listed. And David Montgomery's coming into free agency year and could end up somewhere, like like we've talked about, he, Buffalo's a perfect spot for him. He ends up in Buffalo. He's going to vault up these rankings. He might even be above Joe Mixon or Miles
0: Sanders. Is there anyone that you're too low on based on where Keep Shade Cut has him?
2: That I am too low on?
0: Um... Let's see, because here's one I noticed with you. I I I'm, I know you haven't you didn't publish your rankings right out there yet, but mm-hmm. you have Jarek McKinnon at RB forty four. Mm-hmm. He's going to be thirty one years old. Is that does he go in the shitter if he's not on the Chiefs?
2: Oh yeah, for sure. I'd probably have to adjust that. Yeah, but so I, I did those like in a kind of like a tier. I just kind of threw everybody in tiers. But yeah, I I get what you're
0: saying. Okay. But he is one of those guys that you'll see people taking a startup, and it's like, dude, you just took Jarek McKinnon at RB50. Yeah, it depends
2: on where that RB50 is. If it's round 10, okay, that sucks. But if it's like round 17, then okay, I'll take a shot at him.
0: But from a startup principle, and uh, next weekend, we're going to, uh, Jay and I are going to Kentucky and doing those Kentucky, early Kentucky drafts, right? Right. And I already told him. We're not drafting any Raheem Mosterts. Jer- I don't want any running back that's fucking old.
2: You don't I don't want anybody over thirty. Like fucking Keenan Allen, Adam Thielen. I don't want any of those fuckers.
0: But from a even from a redraft perspective, does it even make sense to draft running backs that are like going into year five, year six, year seven, year eight? No. Isn't it much better just to draft round twelve, Israel Abaconda? and what you know what I mean? Just fucking take yeah. all rookies. Just, every late pick is a rookie running back.
2: Yeah, and just take all these young guys.
0: And if they miss, they miss. Like the big, the worst thing you can happen is you end up having to cut these guys because they're around six. And pick you have and to they- kind
2: of think about like guys who could still have a role that could really produce for you. So, like, obviously, Jamal Williams is there in like round 12, 14, 15 in all the redrafts this year in the beginning. Mm-hmm. Jamal Williams would be a guy you could pick up. You know, Alex Madison, he could end up somewhere else and, and have a role. I think, I think one of the guys that could be like a Jamal Williams type that could do something next year is Kenneth Gainwell. He might not have all the touchdowns that Jamal Williams did, but he could be really useful as a, a backup, especially if Miles Sanders does walk or whatever. So I think that's another good one. Uh, Chuba Hubbard, he could be the same kind of thing. He could uh, you know outplay Deontay Foreman and, and be the uh, Panthers' lead running back. You know, there's tons of those types of guys. Damian Harris. I think Damian Harris is pretty talented. Um, If you give him another starting job, that's probably a guy you can get after round 10.
0: Yeah, I guess you have to kind of look at the scope of what you're playing in. We're playing in a, a contest where it's a tournament, right? We're doing seven drafts, but it's a tournament to where there are no other drafts after this weekend. So... Let's just say you're drafting a bunch of leagues and you're doing a tournament. So even think of like some of the underdog tournaments that only last for like a month and then they fill and then they move on to another one, right? So part of my theory is like you're going to be able to get your exposure even if – like give me a running back that's a free agent that you're not sure how their value is going to shake out, but it could be decent, but then it also could be completely in the toilet. I'm thinking of like the – Kareem Hunt. Yeah. I'm thinking of like the Raheem Mostert's, the Jarek McKinnon. It's like Jarek McKinnon and Raheem Mostert. If they go back to where they are right now and they have the same offense, I'm probably in. If neither of them go back to where they are and they're looking for a job in August, they're on, they're on waivers. You know what I mean? But what I also know is even if they go back to where they are, they're probably not going to be so expensive that I can't get my exposure. Whereas I think some of the younger guys, maybe it's the case with guys like Harris and Madison that are free agents, but I definitely think with the rookies, there's a chance you can get, you know, Kenny McIntosh in round 14 and then we get to redraft season and he's going in round eight, round seven. Like there's profit to be had with those guys. There's nothing that Raheem Mostert can do that he's ever going to go in the top 10 rounds. doesn't even matter if he's in the perfect spot. He's always going to be in like, round 11 round 12 round round 10 you know like that's his ceiling so why even bother taking those guys because there's not really a lot of upside but there's a shitload of downside the downside is like dude this guy's old and he's not even in the league anymore right right so i'm just like let's just take all i almost just want to take all rookies with the later picks after round 10 all rookies that's it no veterans i
2: could see that i mean taking those um Those running backs, especially just the young ones, man, it it seems to always pay off for us. So I get it. You know, just keep, keep taking these young guys. You keep hitting on them. Like this year, we took a bunch of like uh, Rashad White. You know, it took a couple weeks, but that finally paid off for us. Uh, We had a couple Algiers. Algiers paid off for us that we took late. Pacheco's, Jalen Warrens. Pacheco's, yep. Jalen Warren, yep. So yeah, those are guys that we were we were all on pretty much. So I agree
0: and avoid the um oh hey it's round 12 Adam Thielen's looking like a steal yeah you that's that's going to be on you on how to deal with that <laughs> one uh, i don't know hey eric round 7 brandon cooks is looking good yeah yeah let's get robert woods too uh, but th- doesn't it make sense from a redraft if you were doing redraft leagues right now wouldn't you just kind of be like i'm drafting for all upside because there's so much shit that can happen in the next six months that why would I even bother drafting a bunch of old veterans? I don't even care what positions they are. The only old veterans I would draft would probably be like productive tight ends and quarterbacks, but running backs and receivers, like, no, thanks. Right. I agree. Like I'll agree take a, I'll that. take a shot on the Dalvin cooks, Camaras, Mixon's Aaron Joneses if they fall. Cause those guys are actually good, but there's just no reason to take these fringe veteran running backs or receivers. Like there's just no reason to do it. Right. I agree. So, <laughs> Um, and then a couple
2: receivers that were kind of a little bit shocking to me. I know some people have brought it up, but George Pickens at wide receiver 23, and he's above the Jerry Judys, the DJ Moore, Chris Godwin, McLaurin, Jahan Dotson, Hollywood Brown, Christian Kirk, like that feels a little pricey to me, don't you think?
0: Yeah, it does. I mean, it, it's insane that people have him over dj Moore, chris godwin and hollywood brown because all three of those guys are really fucking good Mm -hmm. it's just their yesterday's news they've been around for four or five years already and people are just sick of them they're sick of people saying these guys are really good players and then they continually get you know wide receiver 20 production out of them and they go oh they didn't live up to the hype Mm -hmm. it's like well you know there's different reasons why they didn't live up to the hype but I'm very confident in saying, at least from my gauge of determining if receivers are good or not, that those guys are all better than George Pickens. Now, George Pickens can get better. I get it. He was forced into a role from day one. Maybe he wasn't ready to be forced into a role from day one, but it it is hard to imagine that you wouldn't clearly swap one of those guys. I mean, are you really telling me George Pickens is going to be better than Chris Godwin or DJ Moore? The asset George Pickens, yeah. I think you'd trade George Pickens for those guys in like a third all day, right?
2: Yeah, definitely.
0: But I see why people are doing it, man. This is the this is the fallacy with rookie receivers. If rookie receivers do something, we immediately push them up even further the next year because, well, they have to get better. George Pickens right. has to get better. Look how good he was as a rookie, Eric. He's got to get 20% better. Yep. And then he doesn't, and you go, oh, he was a bust. No, you should have just never jumped him as high as you did to begin with.
2: Right. Yeah, I mean, that's... Here it is. Garrett Wilson, wide receiver 6. Chris Olave, wide receiver 9. Drake London, wide receiver 12. Uh, Christian Watson, wide receiver 20. Traylon, wide receiver 21. So yeah, I mean, that's all those those rookie receivers. And then the one that I want to talk about, the guy that I really, really like, but wide receiver 17, Jameson Williams, and he hasn't done anything. Obviously, you know, it's all injury-related, but Can you take Jameson Williams that high? Like, he's even above Christian Watson and Traylon Burks and Pickens and all these guys.
0: No, I wouldn't take Jameson Williams that high, and I I just don't feel like you need to because if you miss on that pick and you forego taking a guy like Chris Godwin or DJ Moore and you miss out on the equity that you could have saved or the draft capital that you could have saved if you make that deal – Mm-hmm. like you just can't really afford to be wrong when you're picking in that range. Cause that's the range of the, all the receivers are kind of the same from like a production standpoint. So why take the risk on the guy that literally's never played? Right. So, I mean, what's, what's the move if you have those guys, because at one hand I could tell you, Hey, if you have a roster right now, Eric, you would much rather be rostering Christian Watson, Jameson Williams, and George Pickens mm-hmm. because they're the, they're the dominant assets. You get a lot more done Value wise, than if you have DJ Moore, Chris Godwin, and Marquise Brown. Like, you'd rather have the rookies because they're much more readily available to trade. You know what I mean? Like, you right. have the better asset. You just probably don't have the better player. So, how do you play it if you have those guys? Like, you want to probably have some shares of those guys, but. Right. Wait.
2: Yeah. If somebody's willing to pay me two first for them, a 23 first on a 24 first, I think I'd probably have to sell them.
0: I don't think they give you two first, but. Well, I'm okay, just saying, man.
2: if some of these people love the wide receivers, we've talked about it. They they might be willing to do that, especially if they see, man, Garrett Wilson, is wide receiver six on keep trade cut. Well, those guys cards.
0: are different. I, I'll put Garrett Wilson, Chris Alave, and Drake London in a tier well above all the others. Well, they actually yeah, so produced as saying. rookies.
2: Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, those guys. And then these other ones, like Christian Watson, like— would it shock you if somebody gave you two first for him? I don't think it's that crazy. The way he he performed and played, obviously he's probably not going to have Aaron Rodgers anymore. But
0: I mean, that's a fish if you pay two first for Christian Watson. Well,
2: oh, I agree, but it, I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility. I mean, Traylon Burke's kind of the same thing. Like, oh man, I remember Ray Garvin. He hyped this guy up. I like him. Give me. I want two. You know, I'll pay two first
0: for him. Okay, so would you trade Christian Watson and a 24-second for DJ Moore and a 24-first?
2: Mm, yeah, probably just because I I don't like – I think the Packers are going down the Jordan Love route, and I don't love that.
0: Okay, so Jameson Williams, same thing? Uh,
2: yeah, I'd probably take DJ Moore in the first, yeah. Pickens? Yeah, I'll take DJ Moore in the first over Pickens, yep.
0: Okay, so that you might not be able to get the first and DJ Moore, but if you just give back yeah, the second. Yeah, if I give
2: the second, too, that's what I'm saying, yeah.
0: I, I think that's the range, just if I'm being convicted, that's the range I'm looking to move and swap out. If I'm wrong, yeah. we're probably going to be yes. wrong on one of those three guys.
2: There's a ton of wide receivers in this range behind those guys, like Judy, DJ Moore, Godwin, we already mentioned. You mentioned Hollywood. Like Christian Kirk, I think Christian Kirk is still just, you know, hitting his ceiling almost. Um, he had a really, really good season. I'd probably take him. Um, McLaurin has been really solid. You know, I know he's a little bit older, but he's, he's – you know, a year or two off of uh, DJ Moore and Godwin. Uh, Brandon Iuk it. is another
0: one that people just don't, don't really respect, but he's just as good as, I mean, yeah,
2: he's I mean, very they good. They have him up here. They have him at wide receiver 19. I, oh, think I didn't another, realize he was
0: 19. Interesting. Yeah,
2: yeah, he's he's up there. I think another one that's going to be interesting is Calvin Ridley. Wide receiver 32. Like,
0: Where's Deontay? Him,
2: Deontay's wide receiver 31, right above him.
0: The him and Ridley are two guys where I'm like, are you really telling me Jamison Williams is better than those two?
2: Ridley, I could I could see Ridley being better. Deontay, I, I think Jamison's better than Deontay, yes.
0: Deontay's pretty good, man. How He's Deontay Johnson player. still almost had hundred and fifty targets this year. I I agree with you
2: 100. percent I think he's a very good wide receiver, to possession wide receiver. He is not a game breaker.
0: No, but do you care if they're game breakers?
2: No, but I'm saying I Jameson Williams has the ability to do that when he's healthy.
0: I'll, okay. I'll I definitely would take Jameson over. But does he game. have the ability to earn 150 targets?
2: I mean, yeah, but are your your a dots fucking three and a half yards?
0: Um, Amon Ross St. Brown's not a game breaker.
2: No, he's not.
0: I agree, I agree with you on that, I, but it's just that... Um... I'm just saying, Deontay Johnson, if you just take away some of the things that people look at, a.k.a. Mm. touchdowns and fantasy points, he looks on paper. I'm not saying he's good as Ross St. Brown. He's three years older than Aminorah St. Brown. Amin, Ross St. Brown's ceiling's been higher than Deontay. But you look at him and you go, okay, well, if you isolate all of these things, why is he wide receiver 31, and why is this guy wide receiver 15? And it's just simply it's just recency bias. It's we're right. sick of Deontay Johnson. He's been around for three years. He's not that exciting. We've already determined he doesn't have that high of a ceiling. So let's move him down. Right. And who do we move into his place? George Pickens. Yeah. Because I he's the new I, toy. I would,
2: I, would, I would take Pickens above Deontay. I would take Jameson above Deontay. Easy.
0: And you sh- and you should because I'd rather have those assets. But if you can find the right essentially, I think what we're saying is we would both. Cash out on the Jameson Williams, George Pickens, Christian Watson. If we could do those first and second swaps, because we're just betting against these guys that we're talking about not being elite, they're just kind of like where they are, you know. So, why would you want to pay the price over one versus the other, right?
2: Hmm. I just, yeah, what I mean, you will always argue on Deontay. I just, I, you know, his three and a half yard A dot and never scores any touchdowns. I think it's also a little bit of... um
0: You're still soured that he left all those fucking games early and yeah, cost you, he got started, you one or less in three yeah, games.
2: Yeah, and cost us a bunch of fucking money. That yep. too. And I can't get over that he had a 150-plus target season and he didn't have over 1,000 yards. That is... Absolutely mind-boggling to me that you get 150 plus targets and you can't get a thousand yards. And this
0: year he had 140 plus targets and didn't score a touchdown. Yeah,
2: and th- then you have that anomaly on your resume too. So, that's so he has two amazing. anomalies. Yeah, that just that just screams no thanks. Okay. So yeah, I uh, I think he's he's a good player. Like he's a wide receiver three on a dinosaur or a, a fantasy team. I don't I think he's, I don't I don't think he gets ever above wide receiver 3. Like he's just barely in the wide receiver like 36 discussion. Okay. for me. So, and, and I think what, the other I mean, that's where they have him at wide receiver 31. He's like in that discussion, so.
0: And I think the best point that you just made was when you're looking at receivers in this range, what is the one thing of rece- with receivers in this range that is going to drive their market value and what their ceiling is? And don't overthink it. Just think about one thing that you would say, well, I'm going to break the tie with of receivers in this range.
1: Better
2: quarterback is usually my tiebreaker.
0: Better quarterback and the offense that they're in, right? If you put Deontay Johnson on the Jaguars in place of Christian Kirk, you probably have Deontay Johnson over Christian Kirk, right? Yes. And it's that simple. Really, it's not even worth arguing which one's better or which one's worse. You can simply say, I'd rather have the— If you're talking about, like, number three receivers in Dynasty, which ones have the quarterbacks that have the ability to efficiently support multiple weapons? And that's the other thing that's killing Deontay is, like—
2: Yeah, I think the other thing about Deontay and the Steelers is now they're bringing back this fucking offensive coordinator again, and he's terrible. Yep. So that just makes me scared. That just wastes another prime year of Deontay's career. And by this time next year, we're looking at he'll be like going into 28 in this 2023 season or 2024 season. And we're, you know, nobody's going to want him. He's going to be like the uh, Amari Cooper again or the DeAndre Hopkins, you know.
0: And he's, oh, he's too old now. We don't want him. No, that's exactly it. He's got everything going against him. So it, right. you know, think about that though, when you're looking at your receiver tiers, don't even, I think it's kind of a waste of time to try to figure out who is wide receiver 20 versus 22 versus 24 versus 28. It, it's really just kind of figuring out how you want to balance those in your portfolio. And how do I find a way to extract value out of the receivers in this range? Cause I bet you every I could ask you 20 trades right now, but if it involved you getting back a first for a two for one or a two for two, where you end up getting a first in the deal and you still get a decent receiver, you'd almost always take the first. Right. Like you would do that first and second swap for a lot of these receiver swaps in this range. So I think if you can take advantage of that, there is still the market there. Cause you even said it, people love their young receivers. They're not excited to have Marquise Brown. They're super excited to have Jamison Williams. Right. So think about that. And then another
2: one that is really surprising to me is wide receiver 50 is Juju. Here's some of the people above Juju. Um, wide receiver 41, Wandale Robinson coming off an ACL. Wide receiver 42, Kadarius Toney can never stay fucking healthy. Wide receiver 44, Darnell Mooney. Wide receiver 47, Alec Pierce. Wide receiver 48, Rondale Moore. I would take Juju over all of those guys easy. I, I was just surprised that Juju is is this far down the list on here.
0: I'll say this. I was a big Juju supporter early on uh, because it kind of looked like he was going to be the clear number two option. He did taper off towards the end of the, the second half of the year. I know he had yeah, the concussion. Yeah. He had the concussion. He's been banged up with a couple other injuries uh, since then. Um, he I agree with you with all of those. I would, if I have to just take a shot, I'd rather take a shot on somebody like him over Alec Pierce, but you could also argue where the person that has Alec Pierce, there's a chance where he has a little more value upside than Juju. doesn't mean he's a better player, but I think with Juju, he's kind of in the same mold as the other guys we talked about, but he's been even less productive. At least with like Hollywood Brown, Chris Godwin, DJ Moore, you can say, Every year, those guys are pretty good. Every year, those guys are still posting top 20 numbers, top 24 numbers. You know, Juju didn't do that this year. He finished, I know I did that last Destination Dynasty show where I talked about receivers. Juju finished uh, 46th in target share. He finished 69th in air yard share. So both those two things combined, like when you have a, a pretty low market share, but then you also don't have a high air yard share, like there's not a lot of fantasy ceiling there. So it's kind of like he's he's kind of getting dinged in both of those categories. I could live with a 20% target share if you were like Mike Williams and you had like top 15 bunch of air yard share and you had a really good quarterback like that's what's propping a guy like Mike Williams up a little bit. But as soon as he doesn't have that anymore, you start looking at some of the comps for Juju like, you know. They're, they're not that great. So I, I don't know, man, I'm in on Juju, but I also wonder like how the community will react if he doesn't go back to the chiefs. And I do think that we could be getting to the point where he is one of those guys where he's, you would just take a second and you would get out and you wouldn't even, you wouldn't even think twice. Like maybe the, the best has passed him by. So I would definitely take him where you're talking about him, wide receiver fifty or whatever. I think in your rankings you had him much higher than that. But at at the same time, like I, the numbers didn't really check out like I thought they would this year. I thought he'd end up having a much better season than he did. I mean, some of the guys that I had above Juju, if you look at these numbers, I mean, I shit on him all the time, but Gabe Davis is better than Juju, and. Gabe Davis, you know at least what you know what his situation is going to be, right? He's going to be on the Bills. He's going to still be able to probably get fifteen to twenty percent of the targets on the Bills. He may not get much higher than that, but I'm pretty confident he's going to be right where he is. You know, I mean, why, why Juju over like Romeo Dobbs?
2: Because he has Patrick Mahomes. and – but I'm saying if he, Mahomes, if he doesn't have Patrick Mahomes, if he
0: doesn't have Patrick Mahomes. But he does. Uh, but he's a free agent. That's the thing. I I, I even said, if he it
2: depends, goes back to the, yeah, if back to the Chiefs, goes.
0: if he goes back to the Chiefs, I have no problem with Juju at his price. I think he's probably... You can say, you know what? He's going to go back to the Chiefs second year in the system. He has Mahomes. He had the concussion. He had some injuries this year. He could easily get back to being a wide receiver three on the Chiefs, if not higher. But... What if the Chiefs go, you know what, we're not going to pay Juju because we'd have to pay him $15 million a year. We'll just go get Jacoby Myers. You'd then put Jacoby Myers way ahead of Juju, right? Yeah. I mean, he's already above him
2: uh, on this list anyway.
0: So. But you get what I'm saying, though. They could pretty much bring anybody into that role, and you would basically say they're the same thing as Juju. So that's all. all right. Okay. Cool.
2: All right. On to our uh, last topic that we wanted to talk about was the senior bowl. So I haven't been able to listen too much about the Senior Bowl stuff, so I'm going to let you start us off here what you want to talk about with the Senior Bowl.
0: Yeah, I mean, look, we're going to give a little bit of kind of just a high-level breakdown of not observations from the Senior Bowl because, A, we weren't there. B, you probably wouldn't want me and Eric giving you observations on the Senior Bowl because who gives a fuck? Listen to Ray for that shit, you know? Follow a lot of the other places that were actually there that actually have educated opinions, I just wanted to kind of give a quick uh, rundown for people so that they can filter through some of the information from the Senior Bowl because there's a lot of bullshit out there that really doesn't matter, right? Like, here's the reality. There were no good receivers at the Senior Bowl from a dynasty perspective. Maybe Rasheed Rice. Maybe that's a guy that's going to get decent enough draft.
2: Do you think that was because the quarterbacks were absolute dog shit? Could that no. be some of the reason? No, because so. it,
0: it, basically what, what I'm saying is, if a receiver is not drafted in the top 50 picks, I'm not interested for lineup leagues. Now, best ball is different, right? There's going to be really, really deep leagues that you're like, okay, I'll take a shot on that receiver, but like, don't walk away from the Senior Bowl going, man, I'm really interested in Jaden Reed. I'm really interested in Xavier Hutchinson. You know, like that. That analysis isn't really worth your time if you're playing in a 12-team start 11 dynasty league where you set a lineup. It's just not worth really analyzing. That's just my opinion. Now, you may differ, but like that's not where you want to spend your time doing analysis. Uh, I think you probably do want to take some stuff from the senior bowl in terms of which running backs look good and which ones didn't. I think that's fair. We're always looking for ways to determine. You, know, you and I have been saying for a while, there's a lot of good running backs in this class, right? Yep, for sure. But shit, you could rank RB6 through RB20 and you'd be like, fuck, I don't know what order to take them. And it yeah, could all that's change.
2: Where, that's kind of where I'm at right now. I mean, like I always say, like the thirty percent from from now until uh, the draft is where you get your like your twenty five to thirty percent of the information. You get all your um, measurements, their testing results. You get all of that. This is like the thirty percent. The other seventy percent, you get with the draft capital and what team they landed on, and that happens after draft day. So kind of see where they land and all that, you know, we're just getting a little, little piece of the pie right now, but the big piece of the pie is going to come on draft night to see where these guys go.
0: But let's assume that a lot of the running back draft capital is pretty similar, right? Round three, round four, round five, like in the sweet spot that you know what you're looking for. Right. I think it is worth paying attention to what people like Ray, they're going to do the wake up show next week. And they're going to talk about the senior bowl. I think it's worth paying attention to what some of the people observed What happened with the running backs at the senior bowl? How did they look physically? How did they move? What were coaches saying about them? Like, I'm paying attention to that stuff to not adjust my rankings because clearly I can say, okay, today I would take Kenny McIntosh over Chase Brown, right? But if Chase Brown goes in round four to an awesome spot and Kenny McIntosh goes in round four to a terrible spot, that could change, right? But at least I have in the back of my mind maybe which ones I kind of feel like are a little better than others. You know, like which ones move better than others? You know, which one did I hear something about? Like, that's where I think you can have a little bit of better idea of what information you can take from this senior bowl is in that range. Like, that's what the most valuable thing to me. And that's also because there were a lot of good running backs at the senior bowl guys we were interested in receivers. There really wasn't much to talk about quarterbacks. There was absolutely jack shit to talk about. So who cares? Filter that shit out. Just literally focus on the things that are going to be relevant. And then you know, take those nuggets for what they are. I said it in a tweet earlier, like 95% of what you hear out of the senior bowl is absolutely fucking worthless for dynasty.
2: Yeah. I I mean, yeah, like, like you said, most of the, like the running back stuff, I always take a little bit of a, uh, you know, a quick look at and take away what I can from them. The quarterbacks you can sometimes, but we haven't had a good quarterback class there. At least, three years um the, the last two have been dog shit uh last year we actually had like kenny pickett showed up malik willis showed up desmond ritter showed up so they had all those guys last year which was nice but this year like none of the top guys were there um these guys that were all quarterbacks this year were are probably going to be round five and later to be honest um so you have that the running backs, I think the running back class is pretty good. I think there's a couple guys that uh, Ray pointed out to us that they're just not going to be very good guys that we're going to want in uh, Dynasty at all, like Cameron Peoples. Um, he talked about how, I mean, it's kind of been like the talk on Twitter is how how Chase Brown has looked and he hasn't looked very good at all. Like his pass pro was was terrible, uh, dropping the ball, fumbling the ball, all that kind of stuff. So. Chase Brown, I think he's taken a little bit of a hit. Maybe he's not like as like a a top ten running back now. Maybe he's like in the fifteen to twenty range more when we thought that this guy could really be something uh you know, pretty special for us in, in Dynasty this year. So that one was the the biggest gut punch there for running back wise. Like you said, the wide receivers were hard to do. Like, you know, Rasheed Rice might have been like the the best one there, but he never really, you know, flashed or anything like that from what I heard. And then the tight ends, you know, you had Luke Musgrave there. Every He was a, a big talking point. A lot of people hyped him up like he's just an athletically gifted tight end that a lot of people were hyping up. So, you know, you take take your grains of salt here of what you can, you know, remember it for for draft season. Like you remember, oh, hey, man, Tajay Spears, the running back from Tulane. He was a really good at the Senior Bowl, you know. Teams are gonna really like him and move him up. So you kind of just watch those those clips on Twitter and stuff, and just kind of see how they might fit into an NFL offense. And if your team drafts them, or you know, hey, uh, Tajay Spears goes in round three or high round four, okay, I'm I'm definitely interested in them. You know, some of these guys that. You know, like Chase Brown, like we're very interested in him before the senior bowl. If he goes in like round six or seven now, I'm definitely not going to be as interested um, in him as I would be for, you know, Tajay Spears or Eric Gray. Eric Gray's looked pretty good. Um, you know, just some just some of those quick little thoughts I had on, on some of those running backs. though.
0: So. No, I think that that's this the theme of this is you're going to hear a lot of stuff about the senior bowl in the next week or two. And just understand for what we're shooting for. And it's a little different in best ball. I acknowledge that. But even in non-best ball, like it, it, a lot of what you're hearing doesn't ultimately matter because 95% of what you're hearing from the senior bowl is just basically content that people are getting to try to fill for the NFL. It matters a lot more than it's going to in dynasty. So just filter that stuff in and take it for a grain of salt. You know, like how good Ray said this like five times earlier today. And he's been saying it all since last week when he was down in Mobile. Like, if you think Tajay Spears is good, you know, how good do you think the guys are that aren't at the senior bowl? You know, like the guys that were probably seen to be a little too good to be at the senior bowl. You know, it's like, don't necessarily put Tajay Spears ahead of, you know, Sean Tucker just because he's at the senior bowl. You know, like how good are some of the guys that aren't there? So just keep that in mind. It's not saying there can't be good players that come out of there, but just kind of slow, slow down a little bit. If there's anybody that's talking about, you know, like Roshon Johnson after day one of the senior bowl was like, Oh, Roshon Johnson, that guy could crack into the top 12 of the dynasty drafts. You know, it's like, Oh my gosh. Like you got to move this guy up. Jaden Reed, Jaden Reed, Eric could be a top 15 dynasty pick. It's like, based on what, you know, if, if, if you're going to move Jaden Reed up, why the hell aren't you moving up? Like everybody else ahead of him, you know? If Jaden Reed looks good, you don't think Josh Downs would look fucking great, right? Right. But but move no you know, one's talking about whoever, move. Yeah, whoever. no one's talking about moving those guys up. But it's like, okay, now are they are they below Jaden Reed or I don't know. I just think put it in the right perspective. That's all. And just r- realize that for what we're trying to analyze, it just doesn't matter. Maybe one or two players, maybe three, four, five guys are going to stay on your radar from there. But other than the running backs, it's just hard to really move the needle at all with it
2: right i agree with that so you know kind of you know like i said or scott said listen to ray you know he'll talk about it on the wake up what he saw there you know obviously follow the tdn guys on twitter they've been putting out a bunch of stuff there's a bunch of podcasts out there that i've seen you know tdns put out um podcast um player profilers put out podcast uh the uh fantasy points guys have put out some podcasts I've, i haven't had a chance to listen to all of them yet but there's multiple podcasts out there of people that are actually there on the ground talking to people and what they're hearing and talking about so those are good podcasts to listen to and you'll get some good information so uh that's definitely um some stuff i would work on listening if i can
0: for sure for sure no know what to filter out and what matters and be able All to right. process it. that. That's why we're here. Cause I consume more content than almost anybody. And even I struggle sometimes with like, okay, I need to put this in the appropriate category and realize this really shouldn't change my analysis on something just cause I'm hearing it from everywhere. So that's it. Right. Okay.
2: All right. Is there anything else you want to do uh, touch on before we uh, wrap this episode up?
0: No, I do. Um, I was thinking about this earlier cuz we're always looking for different topics to talk about especially in the off season like we don't want to be one of those shows that's like hey let's just do an hour long show about the senior bowl you know let's do an hour long show talking about you know this or that like we try to kind of change it up mix in a couple different topics and really give at least half of the show some sort of like dynasty analysis because I think that's what we can bring to people is we're actually out there playing. We're experiencing this stuff like firsthand, you know, in our own leagues and running leagues and literally tapping in with people that are doing that same thing at all times. Um, I do want to do a tight end episode with you where we kind of just focus on tight end analysis and we talk about the impact of tight ends in rookie drafts. And man, we've probably not valued them appropriately the last year or two.
1: And that's one of the
0: other takeaways from the senior bowl, man, is like I'm looking more and more at some of these sites that do uh, mock draft accumulation data. Like this, we're looking at a tight end class where there might be four or five guys in the top, like yeah, 60 I mean, picks.
2: They've been saying that for a while. Like Dane Brewer has been saying that for a while. That's why I last week when you were like, oh, you took three tight ends. Well, fuck. Yeah, I did. Cause these guys I, are going to be drafted high. So,
0: um, but it's not even good. just drafted high. It's that the NFL now says, okay, well, we're going to give these guys a shot. And relative to the position, their competition for like tight end one is like Cole Komet dawson knox you know what i mean right, like right uh, rookies can come in and hit that right away and i don't think we ever really respected it but maybe it's time we start kind of reassessing where we should be valuing these guys so i think we do a tight end episode and i think it'll be nice with this class too because it's gonna apply in drafts here in a couple months you know there's, there's gonna be four or five yeah, guys I, by.
2: I already kind of planned on having that tight end episode but i was waiting till after the combine and you get your your RAS score so you can oh, yeah. word out on your RAS scores for tight ends. Cause that's where the RAS scores really come in or for the tight ends. So that's kind of when I was planning to do our tight end episode. So we can kind of plan it around after the combine here in a month or so. Okay. I mean, it'll I be it's a month.
0: Yeah. It, no. And I think in five weeks we'll have combine data with all the RAS yeah. data and stuff. Actually four weeks, maybe just depends on, I don't, I haven't looked at what the schedule is me, but anyway, yeah, we'll have a, uh, We'll have all that. We can do a full breakdown of the tight end landscape and not. Here's the thing. A lot of that episode, we're not going to focus on Travis Kelsey and Mark Andrews and Kyle Pitts, you know, who gives a fuck. That's not what people need to hear. You don't need to hear me tell you Travis Kelsey's the best tight end in the league. If you don't have him, Eric, it doesn't matter. I'm so sick of that analysis of well, tight end is so gross. If you don't have one of the top three or four or five, then it doesn't matter. That's a fact. But Let's hear some content when you're playing in a start two tight end, two PPR, start 13. How do you analyze that? Because I, what can you tell me about the leagues that are super, super deep? Like we have a 16-team, start two tight end, 1.75 league, right, Eric? Yeah. What are you paying for an elite tight end in that league?
2: Nothing, because I already have them all.
0: Okay, but let's say you didn't have one. Would you really give up three first for TJ Hawkinson? No. Okay, I'm so... The reality is the person that has TJ Occhison in that league ain't trading him because you're never going to pay the price. So how do I find value by drafting tight end 10 in the rookie draft? Yeah. Like that's the analysis I think we can dive into that nobody else out there is doing. They're just lazily going "Oh Well, tight end 15, that doesn't matter. It's like, yeah, actually it does. Cause there's a lot of formats where it does fucking matter. Right.
2: I agree, yeah, especially now that we're getting into start two tight ends and tight end premiums are are becoming more of the norm. so yeah, I agree mm-hmm. with you on that. so all right oh one more thing I did want to bring up um so me and Scott have filled four of our five orphan leagues so far. so that's actually pretty awesome we're usually we we're still struggling on a couple, but we have one left. so if anybody would want to take that team over, um, message either me or Scott, and we can get you set up with that. It is a IDP league, so this is for any of you guys that play IDP, or maybe you want to dabble in IDP. This is full IDP, so you start. Um, it's our NFFL league, basically set up exactly like the NFL. You get an actual team, um, you know, just just as a team name. You'll be the Bengals. I think are the uh, team that's available. Uh, start twenty-two, so you're starting eleven offense and eleven on defense. You know, it's super flex, tight end, premium, start two tight ends, point per carry, all that good stuff. Um, Has all the draft picks, and you would be into a dispersal draft with the other uh, new owner that's also in the league as well. And we're also going to open it up to anybody in the league who wants to join the dispersal for an extra fee. They will join the dispersal as well in there with you. So uh, you'll be able to do the dispersal draft, so, you know pretty pretty good league it's been around for and know this is mine and Scott's first real league that we uh recreated when we you know really got into uh MFL leagues and stuff like that it is on MFL it's not on fucking sleepers. stop asking um but
0: uh, <laughs> and just yeah, let so. me just say this um i don't really give a shit about IDP so you don't need to really know IDP to be in the league it's shallow right, enough right. to where... Like you can still build an IDP team if you just have like baseline general knowledge and you just follow like snap counts and stuff like that. Like you can still build a decent IDP team. Like obviously we don't have, at least I don't have the time to grind the IDP stuff like I used to. Um, Nor do I really care to, because I don't think it matters a whole lot. Like it's kind of like offense. You get some impact players and then everything else is there's so much turnover at corner safety linebacker. Like there's so much turnover at those positions that, You really don't need to know IDP that much. So I I would jump into it just because it's a challenging offensive league. Uh, That is the tight end two tight end league that we're talking about, but it's challenging. So I would almost just I wouldn't even let the IDP stuff persuade you from saying "Eh, I'm not really ready for that. I'm just telling you it doesn't matter much.
2: And it's a 32-team league, but it is two copies of each player in the league. So there will be two B. John Robinsons in the rookie draft, two Jordan Addisons, two uh, Kendre Millers, whatever it is. There's going to be two of every rookie that's coming into the draft this year. Um, and obviously there's two Zeke Elliott's, two Patrick Mahomes, two Derek Carr's, whoever it is. Um, There's going to be two of those guys in the league. So there's multiple teams to trade with and stuff like that. So it's it's a fun league. You know, like I said, it's been going since I think 2016 or 17. Uh, Still going pretty strong here. So, yeah, if you're interested in joining that league, uh, hit up me or Scott and we'll fill that last spot. We'll probably do the dispersals and all that after MFL rolls over, which is usually after the Super Bowl. So about here in a week, uh, 10 days or so. Um, we'll we'll get that set up and, and get all those going. So if you are interested, please let us know. Yep, for sure. Um, all right. So are you ready for America's favorite game? I am ready, sir. So I didn't really have anything, and then you started talking about tight ends. So I'm like, okay, we'll do that. So Scott, what is your who is your favorite tight end of all time?
0: Favorite tight end of all time? Jeez.
2: Can either be. T- personal or whoever you think the greatest is, whatever you want.
0: That's a, such a random question. It's actually pretty good. Yeah. Let, let me, let me go back to trying to get just my favorite teams and who their tight ends were. I mean, when I was a kid, I think like a lot of people, I was always a Cowboys fan when I was a kid. Like I grew up a Bengals fan, but the Bengals just absolutely sucked most of my childhood. So I, always rooted for the Cowboys too. Yeah. So, I mean, I always was like, I thought Jay Novacek was the greatest tight end ever just because yep, he was a Cowboys too. tight end for most of my yep. life. So you got that. And then I wasn't as big of a Cowboys fan, but you know, obviously they had one of the greatest tight ends that never was Rico gathers.
2: Oh, stuff.
0: <laughs> no, but I, I would probably say when I was a kid, yeah, Jay Novacek was one of my favorite tight ends. Um, a little later than that, I for some reason I always liked Antonio Gates. Yeah. Because I remember watching Antonio Gates when he played basketball. My dad went to a MAC school, so I always followed the MAC basket. I was a huge college basketball fan when I was younger. So I always followed the MAC. I remember how good Antonio Gates was in college and then like the fact that he made the NFL and was so good. Like, that was always fascinating to me. So that was another one I, recently, I mean, I'd, I'd still probably say Mark Andrews is one of my favorite tight ends now. Cause I think he's just, he hasn't gotten the appropriate credit that he deserves. And I'm not saying he's going to become like Travis Kelsey, but like he's, he's not at that level, but he's really, really good. And he's not had the same situations. Like he hasn't benefited from having a Tom Brady or Patrick Mahomes. You know what I mean? Right. Like Gronk and Kelsey did. But I would say Andrews at this point. And then there's uh, I'm, now that I start doing dynasty analysis, there's so many like athletic freak tight ends that I like. Mm-hmm. You know, like I'm always going to be on the Albertos and the Mike Gesekis and stuff. But whether they actually end up being any good or not, that's a different story. Yeah. So,
2: okay. Yeah, I agree with you on, like, when I was younger, I was like most kids. Dallas was the dominant team, so, you know, all the kids, like, you know, whoever the whoever's winning at the time. So, Novacek was definitely a guy that I liked when I was a kid, for sure. Uh, Mark Chamura before he decided to do some dumb shit and get in trouble. Uh, with the Packers, that was another one that I liked. Uh, more recently you know obviously you respect the hell out of Tony Gonzalez and what he did um Antonio Gates like you mentioned it was Gates and Gonzalez there were the two main tight ends there for a while um i, I would say probably my favorite though was Gronkowski i mean that dude was just an absolute monster probably the best tight end uh, to ever play the game i just like his personality just the way he is um you know the way he played the game. He was just so—he's just a physically just gifted beast, man. Um, so yeah, definitely Gronkowski is probably my favorite. Um, trying to think of some others. Like you know the Browns have had a couple. Um, one that I liked when he came back uh, when the Browns came back in '99. I don't even know if you remember this name. Do you remember Aaron Shea? Oh yeah, I remember Aaron Shea for sure. He was one of Tom Brady's teammates, so he was good friends with Brady. Um, I always liked him um, on the Browns early on. It was like him and like Kevin Johnson, the wide receiver. Those were probably like two of my favorite um, like Browns from when they came back. And then the other big one that would never was was Kellen Winslow Jr. Um, You know, the Browns took him super high. I was super excited for that. You know, he. Just gets a bunch of those injuries he got in that motorcycle accident, and it was just never the same after that. He actually got hurt, uh, hurt too on a, um, a, uh, onside kick in Dallas. And I remember he got hurt on that. It was like at the end of the game, and he got hurt, and that kind of screwed him up too. Um, I think that was before the, uh, bike, um, accident too. So, yeah, what, what could have been with Kevin Winslow? That guy was just an athletic freak, loved him. Uh, The one that I absolutely hated, I'll bring this one up, uh, it's not really a favorite, but a hate, was Jeremy Shockey. And I I think you remember that. I fucking hated Jeremy Shockey with a passion. He was always that asshole out there that would talk shit and he'd have two
0: touchdowns on the year. Like, fuck
2: you, dude. I just hated that fucking guy, to be honest.
0: I mean, that was... I know he. You didn't like him when he was in college because they played against Ohio State, and then that was during your Eagles fandom when he was on the Giants. So right. he was always he was always also against usually who you were rooting for too. So
2: yeah, he was just a thorn in the side. Like I said, he always talked so much shit to like the linemen and stuff like that, and the linebackers. And the dude would have like two touchdowns on the year. I'm like, get the fuck out of here! You know, you're gonna talk shit to Brian Dawkins. Like, get out of here, dude. I'll do <laughs> Oh, that's funny. So, yeah. All right. Well, that is going to be it for episode number thirty for us. You can find me on Twitter at Eric Vanek NFL, and you can also find the show at America's Game Pod on Twitter as well. And Scott, what do you uh, have coming up on Destination Dynasty this week?
0: I'm oh, just going to talk a little bit not not exactly what we talked about in this show, but just expand a little bit more on you know kind of some some different strategy ideas, some psychology of dynasty. Uh, probably just hit a quick episode. Um, I am on vacation this week, so uh, it'll just probably be whatever on my mind. And then we'll get back to live streaming uh, probably the weekend after this. So we'll get back to live streaming like the end of February uh, into March, do some more live streaming then. But uh, yeah, just some strategy stuff. I think this is the, I don't want to say the dead period, but you know, if we're not going to take much credence into what happens at the senior bowl, and we're not to the start of the new league year yet like until we get to the combine we're going to have like kind of a dead zone over the next 3 or 4 weeks to where there's i mean it is just rampant every single day you go on twitter there's this rumor there's that rumor who's going to get cut who's going to sign who's going to get traded like what teams are going to do with draft picks like there are there's a thousand narratives and then there's a narrative you can act on with all of those but there's only like 5% of it actually comes to roost So I think there's some psychology you can take advantage of in your league, especially as they start getting a little more active. People coming back from, you know, their month off after the season, looking forward to the combine, like as things start to pick up, I think you can take advantage of some of those, I don't want to say false narratives, but it's like just ideas that start to run into the mainstream. You know, you can take advantage of that from a dynasty psychology perspective. So that's what this week's show will be about.
2: Sweet. All right. Well, I'm looking forward to uh, hearing that. Enjoy your little uh, vacation down there where you're at. And we will see you guys next week on America's Game.